What up, world? Welcome back to another episode of Locked on Blazers. I am your pass-first point guard and Blazer beat writer, Mike Richmond. The Blazers' season ended tonight, 119-117 in overtime. The Golden State Warriors beat the Blazers four games to none to advance to their fifth consecutive NBA Finals. Usually in these podcasts, I spend the first little bit kind of going over what happened in the game, give you a game flow and my little notes on who played and why and and what adjustments each coach made and what worked and what didn't work and all those things. Probably going to do a little bit less of that tonight because the important thing that happened is the Blazers season ended. And this season was, I want to say spectacular, but... That's probably not the right word. It was unexpected and exhilarating and heartbreaking all at the same time. It was, to just use a sports cliche that many of my media brethren have used before me and will use again, it was a roller coaster. So let's just start with where this season started. Uh, You know, three days before the Blazers' regular season started, longtime owner Paul Allen passed away fairly suddenly. Uh, It was well known he had been sick, but I don't think to the extent at which uh, his non-Hodgkin's lymphoma was uh, becoming an issue, I don't think that was made public. It, uh, It certainly caught most people outside of the organization by storm. Some within it as well. So the Blazers, on opening night, when they played LeBron James and the Lakers and Nick Stauskas went for 24 points, they honored their owner. They put a rose on his seat and a Blazer snapback cap like he used to wear. And that kind of felt like, oh, the Blazers, they caught lightning in a bottle. They were able to harness this uh, emotional night and take advantage of a road team. And there was a lot of uncertainty then. But this team kept on winning. There wasn't as many nice Nick Stauskas moments after that opening night. Eventually, he gets traded, and the Blazers add Rodney Hood, and they sign Ennis Cantor, and very legitimately look like one of the best non-Warriors teams in the West. Then on March 25th, with nine games left in the regular season, Yusuf Nurkic suffers compound fractures in his leg. Lays crumpled on the court. His teammate, C.J. McCollum, who's already out dealing with his own knee injury, brings a towel over to him to cover his face so he didn't have to have his tears be public in this terribly traumatic moment. Then the Blazers won 7 of 9 to close out the season, including Game 82 which they probably tried to lose. Only they fell behind by 28 points and 
teenage rookie, Anthony Simons, drop 37 to drag them back from a certain loss and all the way into the three seed in the playoffs. A three seed that debatably the Blazers wanted. Some within the organization insist that it was that was all about rest in Game 82. Others had told me that they were intentionally ducking the thunder. But they caught the thunder. And then Damian Lillard, who had struggled so much in a playoff series a year ago, swept out of the first round by an overwhelming New Orleans Pelicans team that bottled him up defensively and scored relentlessly on him on the other end. Damian Lillard played the best playoff series that I've ever seen, maybe in person. Certainly up there. Dispatching the Thunder five games, literally waving them into the offseason after hitting a 37-foot bomb. And then the day after the Blazers won that series, Video coordinator John Yim was in a serious car accident that left him with a fractured arm and leg, a neck injury that he's still dealing with. That kept him out of the playoffs until he showed back up tonight. Sat behind the bench for the Blazers game four finale. There were... To get back to the stupid roller coaster analogy that I can't escape, every time the Blazers seem to be crescendoing and having this moment, things went downhill fast. There was a sobering reality of an injury, a, a death, uh, just something that would kind of snap this team back to take away some of the joy or some of the expectations. And then the Blazers played the Denver Nuggets, the second best team in the West. They got punked in game one. They won a marathon in game three to take a commanding, what seemed like a commanding 2-1 lead, a four-overtime epic. Only to lose two straight find themselves down 3-2 and have to win game six at home and game seven on the road in Denver. Then they reach the Western Conference Finals for the first time in 19 years. You guys know all this. If you listen to this podcast, you didn't need that recap. But I wanted to spend the first little bit of this podcast, the first section of this podcast, setting the stage for what this season has meant. Because there has been... To get to this point, to play the the Warriors, the team that has twice in the last three seasons, or excuse me, three times in the last four seasons, ended the Blazers' year, sent them home from the playoffs in a five-game series and a emphatic sweep the following year. To get to this point, it took a lot of unlikely circumstances, of Ennis Cantor playing with one shoulder, of Rodney Hood exercising some first-round demons to be a difference maker in the second round, of the Blazers finding ways to win when Damian Lillard wasn't at his most efficient, 
when defenses slowed him down and made him labor. So this one was a little bittersweet. The Blazers got swept out of the playoffs. The third straight year they've ended a season with a sweep. This one is decidedly different. Making the Western Conference Finals is something the team should celebrate. And this game was the sort of perfect encapsulation of this season. And let me sort of quickly address it. Myers Leonard scored 25 points in the first half. Myers Leonard was really good in game three when he was a surprise starter. Had a playoff career high 16. He had 25 in the first half. He was splashing threes, hit a sidestep three that I didn't even know he could do. He was making moves in the paint, pulling up for little floaters, being decisive. And why I say it encapsulates this season is because there was some real joy in an unexpected performance. And Myers and his Game 4 performance was this whole Blazers season in a moment. That you could really appreciate this unexpected gift you were being given if you're a fan of this team. Even if it didn't end in this sort of perfect, perfect bow, the perfect coda. It ended with a loss to the champs and an admission that that team, Golden State, is a tier above this Blazers team. But you could still appreciate it in the moment. I was at game four. In the second segment, I want to take you inside the locker room and, and the back hallways and, and tell you the things I saw as the Blazers season ended on Monday night. But first, I want to tell you guys all about a new sports trivia game. It's called Yamble. It'll help you take your game day experience to the next level. Yamble is a brand new sports predictions app that lets you predict what will happen the next play or the next few minutes of the game. Here's what you do. You place your takes on the game and rack up points as the game plays out. The highest score gets paid out real cash every game. You heard me. Real cash every game. Yamble is like HQ trivia, uh, if, you, if you're familiar with that. So that means it's 100% free to play and download, and there's payouts each game. Just search Yamble on the Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Y-A-M-B-L-E. They're running games every night during the NBA playoffs. So download now and start yambling. That's Yamble, like gamble with a Y. So... There's a media room inside the Moda Center that's generally where media meals are held prior to the game. And afterwards, it's where, in the regular season, Terry Stotts has his press conference. Uh, they don't do that in the, in the playoffs because there's too many people, uh, there's too many cameras, they just need a bigger room. So they, they, they move, uh, particularly for the Western Conference Finals, they, they specifically moved it to a, uh, another place inside the arena. And that room... Uh, that's attached to the to the regular media workroom became the spot where the Golden State Warriors celebrated their fifth consecutive trip to the NBA Finals. When I went in there 
during halftime to drop something back off at in my bag and, and grab a water, just happen to walk through that room. I noticed they were setting up this room to be the sort of champagne celebration area. And I thought to myself, if this doesn't work out for the Warriors, what a great little scene that I watched these people set this up and now they'll have to tear it down. What kind of transpired in that room was not uh, the Warriors necessarily dumping champagne all over each other and going nuts to celebrate a fifth straight trip to the finals. Instead, the Western Conference Champs Trophy came out. They posed for some photos. They let some family members in there. They celebrated a little bit. And then they got ready for nine days off. And to me, this is kind of the difference in these two teams. The Blazers could have some real joy on Monday night because this season was special and they could appreciate it. The Warriors had a pretty mundane celebration because their expectations are so much higher. They mute your joy. The Blazers, in many ways, prove they belong in the Western Conference Finals during these playoffs. They took out two tough playoff opponents, and despite leading by 17, 18, and 17 in the final three games of this series, they lost three straight to the champs, including Game 4 on a night where the Warriors were not only without Kevin Durant, but they were also without Andre Iguodala. But instead, but the Warriors leaned on the Splash Brothers, and they leaned on how good Draymond Green is. And those three guys played their most minutes of the entire playoffs, certainly their most minutes of the series, and closed out this game. But there wasn't a ton of celebration. That's kind of the reality of a team chasing a third consecutive finals in a fourth in five years. They can't celebrate it because it would be wrong. And in fact, the Warriors were probably happier to beat the Rockets than they were to handle this Blazer team. But in my eyes, and from what I saw, the Blazers, while they weren't, while they didn't push the, the Warriors and they didn't even take a game off them, they proved that they're one of the teams that can challenge this group. And should any number of roster things happen to the Warriors this season, the Blazers proved that they could be right back there again. So when I walked into the Blazers locker room, I was unsurprised to see people who were pretty upbeat. A team that could, in the moment, appreciate what they accomplished. Uh, as I walked down the hallway, I saw Yusuf Nurkic leave the arena for the last time this year. Uh, him and his girlfriend stopped one of the Blazers, one of the Blazers, Blazer photographer Bruce Ely, and said, Hey Bruce, can we get a photo? He posed for a photograph in the back hallway, a kind of a a final memento of this season. When I got into the locker room, I also talked to Anthony Simons and I asked him what he'll remember most about his rookie year, what he'll appreciate the most. And we talked a little bit about the Warriors or the Blazers final game of the regular season that I mentioned that first segment, but then he also, he brought up the first round series against OKC and he said, that was fun because it was kind of like a war. So now, 
the Blazers are already able to look back and appreciate what happened a month ago or three and a half weeks ago. You don't get that in the other locker room. <laughs> because things change. I don't think the Blazers will be able to repeat how special this season was. I talked to Rodney Hood in the locker room, and he said that there's two reasons he'll appreciate this season. One, for his own perseverance. Pushing through a difficult situation in Cleveland. Finding himself in a position to be a contributor on a good team. And then after a subpar performance in the first round of the playoffs, he came alive and was dominant and a game changer in the second round against the Denver Nuggets. He'll appreciate his own personal perseverance. But he also said he'll appreciate what this team accomplished because he said a lot of people outside this team won't appreciate how hard it is to do what they did in the Western Conference and get this far into the season. And that it'll always be special. I watched Myers Leonard fresh off, quite frankly, the best game of his life. 30 points, 12 rebounds, 3 assists. He hit 5 threes. I watched him drink a Coors Light, ask the Blazers PR staffer if he could take another Coors Light with him to the podium to drink in front of the TV cameras. Blazers PR requested that he not. Myers obliged. And he walked out to tell his wife he was going to be a little bit longer because he had to go do a podium game in the Western Conference Finals. I think this is bittersweet for Myers. Like I mentioned that first segment, but that moment, tell your wife and friends that are at the game, give me a second, I got to go do the podium. It's got to be pretty cool for someone like Myers. He picked up 26 DNPs this year. He didn't play in game one of this series at all. And over the final two games, he was crucial. Their best big man option by a long shot. I walked towards the podium behind Myers Leonard and Damian Lillard and, and a couple other Blazer people as they that cohort made their way to the podium. Dame had a limp. Guy playing through his separated ribs. But when he got to the podium, he talked at length. Gave some of the longest answers I've heard him give about this season being special. How proud he was of Myers Leonard. But what he talked about a lot is what he saw from Golden State. Obviously, these questions are prompted. He wasn't just sort of monologuing. So he, he answers the questions before him. But he talked a lot about how this team had never been in this deep of water. And it was a mental and physical challenge that it showed them how, what you have to be like to get back here and to, to, to win. And he just said Golden State is sharper and better. And mind you, they did this not only without Andre Iguodala tonight, but without Kevin Durant, period. And I think Dame left the arena proud of this group. And also knowing that as close as they got this year, they're still a little bit far away or at least far away from this iteration of the of the Warriors. But I don't think he was mad. I've been around him for a lot of end of series. In fact, I've been around him for every playoff series. I've, I've covered the team for every playoff series he's been in. Most of them end mad. The only one I can recall where he wasn't mad was the year that they 
snuck into the second round and took the Warriors to five games. That was after LaMarcus left, and I, I think he really appreciated that season. I think now, I think he'll appreciate this season. I, I got that vibe as he left the arena, that he was proud of what this team accomplished, even if he wasn't maybe as downright, obviously and outwardly happy. He was unsatisfied with the way it ended, but you could tell that he could already start to appreciate this season, and I think as they get this team gets further away from it, they'll appreciate it more. That's what I saw in the arena. Real quickly in the third segment, I want to talk about what might be next. Uh, I'll do more on on the specifics of that later, but but I want to touch on the the future of this group. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys about Yamble one more time because Yamble is the thing you got to check out. It's a brand new sports prediction app that lets you predict what will happen the next play, next few minutes of the game. Place your takes on the game and rack up points as the game plays out. Highest scores get paid out real cash every game. That's real cash every game. Y'all heard me. Yamble's like HQ Trivia, 100% free to download and play, and there's payouts each game. Just search Yamble on Apple App Store or Google Play. That's Yamble, Y-A-M-B-L-E. They're running games every night during the NBA playoffs, so download now and start yambling. That's Yamble, like Gamble with a Y. All right, welcome back. Still locked on Blazers, still Mike Richmond. I talked about the sort of muted joy of expectations and how the Warriors because their expectations are so high, they kind of have to hold off on on really savoring these moments. And I think that's natural. And I think the Blazers could get back to the Western Conference Finals again next year, but it wouldn't have the same joyous moment that it did this year because defying expectations and doing something for the first time is is truly... It's special. It's just always going to be sweeter. But if the Blazers are going to get back here, I'm pretty sure they're going to look different. Now, they got a ton of money committed to guys. That's what happens when you still have people like Evan Turner on a $18 million contract. Mo Harkless is owed $10 million. Myers Leonard is owed $10 million. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum are on max deals. Cesar McCollum's not technically a max deal, but he's making a ton of money. And Yusuf Nurkic is, is entering year two of a $48 million contract. He's making about $12 bucks. It also is the nature of signing a guy like Seth Curry to a one-year prove-it deal coming off a leg injury. He proved it. He's probably going to go get paid to play somewhere else. It's the nature of trading for Rodney Hood knowing that he's going going to be an expiring contract and heading into a summer when there's tons of cap money to be spent around the league and there's not a ton of wings available. It's just the reality of signing Ennis Cantor to a deal for the end of the season after he gets waived. A lot of this, the, the sort of the, the, the core role players that help the Blazers make this run are likely not going to come back. Certainly the Blazers could maneuver a little bit and 
try to get under the tax line and get the full mid-level exception and give Rodney Hood $8 million. Even that might not be enough the way he's played in the playoffs. Conceivably, they could do the same with Cantor, but with Myers Leonard on the roster kind of looking like a basketball player, like a legit basketball player all of a sudden, and Zach Collins' development being paramount to this team, it seems like Cantor is, the un, is, is an odd man out. I imagine Seth Curry wants to go somewhere where we can have more share of the ball and more playing time. So the Blazers' bench is likely to look really different next year. But the Blazers' core of Damon C.J., C.J. who struggled throughout much of the regular season by his standards but looked like an all-star until this end of this Warriors series when he kind of wilted in a couple fourth quarters. But he had a really he had an excellent postseason. I don't want to take too much away from him. Those dudes are going to be back. At some point, Yusuf Nurkic is going to be back. Zach Collins, although he struggled against the Warriors in ways that I didn't see coming, looks at least looked at times during the playoffs like a a guy ready to take the next step. Myers Leonard went from a guy that Terry Stotts felt like Terry Stotts might just leave on the plane in Denver or leave on the tarmac in Denver. He went to being a crucial member against, you know, an excellent, a crucial part against an excellent team. Uh, The confidence he gained in this playoffs, you hope can carry over and be part of what he brings to the table each night if given a larger role next season. And quite frankly, I think he's earned a longer look. Sure, it's year eight for Myers Leonard, and he's gotten a lot of looks, but when you do what he did on this stage, and you're also 7-1, I don't think it's necessarily, if you're under contract, a time to completely give up on you. The Blazers have parts to get back here, They've got a GM who has proved to be creative enough when bargain shopping to find parts that work. In fact, the Blazers spent much of last summer chasing wings not named Seth Curry, only to be priced out of that market, end up on Seth Curry, who worked out pretty well for him. They signed Nick Stauskas, a minimum guy, right away in free agency, a move that looked like a mess. They flipped Nick Stauskas and former two-way player turned converted NBA contract Wade Baldwin into Rodney Hood, who saved them in a series. They can make moves on the scrap heap. They've got a roster that has seen firsthand what it takes mentally, physically, and execution-wise to reach the Western Conference Finals. A team that's tasted success. A coach that exercised some of his own playoff demons. To get his team all the way to the Western Conference Finals. This group should be back. They should be good. They're going to look different. And I only say that because I spent so much of this this podcast chronicling this, this group, this journey they've been on. I encourage you to spend, I don't know, a small amount of time after you listen to this podcast appreciating this team. They're not going to be back fully intact next year. This was an absolutely special run. I feel honored to have watched much of it in person. I feel honored to have been able to talk about it on this stupid podcast and you guys listen to it. It's pretty cool. I think it's important to appreciate these small little moments. Uh, sports provide us joy and, and unity or, or a connection in ways that other things don't. 
they are mostly meaningless, frivolous. But a team like this, a season like this from the Blazers is cool. It's special. It's something that you can carry with you a long time. So, I don't know. I encourage you to do that. I also encourage you to tell your friends about Lockdown Blazers. Tell them to listen. They can find it wherever they get podcasts. It's on the Himalaya app. It's on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. I touched a little bit on the offseason at the end of this podcast. There's a huge offseason ahead of us. Plenty to talk about. I'm sure we'll talk soon. Thanks for listening.